everybody. Listen, welcome to a football Friday on the All City, All Network, All NFL podcast. I'm Anthony Gargano, and that man down in Fort Lauderdale is the great Baldy, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, first, how's, uh, how's FLA? Uh, it is, uh, it's, a, it's a good boating weather right now, and something that you would hate. I know you hate the beach, you hate the sunshine, but I'm looking at like a, like a flotilla of boats going up and down the coast right now. You know no, what actually, I love the beach, and I love the sun. Listen, what Italian doesn't love the sun, right? Like, so, yeah. I love the sun, I love the beach. I, you know, I, I listen, you are my inspiration. So at some point, I, I want to, you know, be with you. But unfortunately, fatherhood precludes me yes. from being in Florida. You've got other responsibilities right now, Cuz. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Uh, today, we're going to go through the entire slate of what we're going to be watching on Sunday inside the matchups. We'll go through it. But first, TNF Thursday Night Football. Whew, you said it, you tweeted this out, and you said, can anybody explain to me what the Carolina offense is trying to do? Did, did you come up with any sort of conclusion? I didn't. I got a lot of feedback, and it was one of like, that, that tweet is approaching a million views right now. <laughs> Everybody sort of chimed in. But when I went back and watched it, I mean, they, they couldn't convert a third down. They were three for no. 15 on third down. And some of them are third and ones, where you go either hand it, hand it off to Miles Sanders or quarterback sneak it or do something. But if you're going to throw it, like some of the plays they ran, like honestly, like I don't know what I, I don't know what the quarterback is being told. Yeah. I don't know what Bryce is thinking, and so it's it makes it. And look, we've seen a bunch of this this year in the NFL. But when you get bad quarterback play, you can get bad games. And we, we suffered through a bad game last night. Not to say, because there's some outstanding performances for Carolina. I'll get to those in a second. But I'm worried about Bryce Young. Because right now, it doesn't look like he's a confident kid at all. Now, you could be one and eight, and you could have no confidence. But that's the job of the staff, to make sure your, your quarterback doesn't sink into that. and be like that. And that would involve, literally, when he walks off the field, after another third down miss, it'd be good if somebody put their arm around the kid. It'd be good if somebody sat down, you know, and sat down and watched the picture. I, I saw him kind of sitting there by himself outside of that one shot they showed us of him standing next to Andy Dalton when their defense was on the field. Meanwhile, Tyson Bajan, he comes off the field. There's Luke Getze. There's Justin Fields. Like, they come and they huddle up right away. And remind me of this, Ant. I will, I'll never forget when Patrick Mahomes was first, you know, first started in 2018, I guess. Um, literally every series, Andy's the head coach, Spags running the defense, or Bob Sutton, whoever was there. Like, Patrick would come off the field, and he was immediately sitting down with Andy Reid and going through, and there was the enemy. Like, there was a think tank around, even though he was having great success, there was a think tank around him the whole game. And I always, like, admired that going. Every young quarterback should have that. Yeah, I, and, and, you know, it's, that's really poignant because you look at Bryce and he, he just looks, like, overwhelmed. Like, you could see it. I mean, you know, if it's – you know, he's looking feelings way the entire time. There's nobody else really – you know, figure about it. Like, most young quarterbacks have a tight end – that they'll really kind of go to. And, you know, you know, other than a couple throws to Hurst, I mean, and, and one to Tremble, like he didn't look their way and, you know, easy stuff. I mean, how come, you know, it's interesting. How come they don't use Sanders more in, just in the pass game? I know they tried to do it last week. Uh, just mix things up a little bit because the only thing they're, they're kind of looking to achieve is just to get the ball to feeling. Well, even on, but even with that, cuz, like they had a third and one the other day, and Thielen's inside in the slot, and he, it's man coverage. They ran, ran Sanders out of the backfield. The linebacker ran out with him. And here comes a little rub route to Thielen. Like it's, it's a, literally a pitch, pitching catch from, you know, inside that room you're in right now. It's literally a three yard egg toss. 
And but he's looking to Mingo one on one on the other side of the field. I'm like, here's your guy. Like yeah. feed him, give it to him. Yeah. But I do think though, like it was hard to watch the game and not think this. And I don't want to think this, cuz, but man, he doesn't he plays small. He, he plays I know. small. You know, which one you, you, you go through you, you go through all your mind, like I'm not comparing him to anybody because like everybody has a chance to define themselves. But I saw that with Johnny Manziel. Like he played small, cuz. Now, yeah. look, I'm not I'm like I said, I'm not, I don't want to compare it to anybody. But he doesn't play big, you know. He's he doesn't have a big presence, and so um, Tyson Bajan plays big. He missed some goal throws because Carolina defended him really well down the field. But you know he looks way more assertive and way more confident about what he's doing. Yeah, I you know you made the you made the point the other day about him playing not playing big, and obviously his diminutive size is one thing. But we've seen smaller quarterbacks that, you know, feel like they're in control. And I, I think that's the biggest issue. Now you wonder, all right, all right, what what is the biggest issue? Is it he, if things aren't processing fast enough? Listen, you know, rookie quarterback, young team, it, it's overwhelming at times. And, and you just got to get through this thing, hopefully to the next step, which will then him feeling comfortable, then maybe he'll grow a little bit. But right now, I mean, he looks like he's swimming, like you said. Well, I mean, look, you, you, I'd like to see him under center, you know, with some play-action passes. First first and 10 is usually your play-action pass down. Um, you know, you can bootleg him. You can roll him out. There's things you can do from under center where you can get – because all the routes are five-yard routes. Like, you could get deeper shots down the field off play-action, some max protection, some half-field reads. Like, I think there's some things – that they can begin to incorporate rather than what looks to be just a quick game type offense. And yeah. Carolina was just sitting on that last night. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, you know, they need playmakers too. I mean, you know, that's the one thing that really stands out. I was like, they just don't have enough playmakers for them either. Well, that's true. Uh, I would like to say this, point this out. Um, they had two guys on defense, Carolina's defense. Some, you know, when you're one and eight and everybody's just trashing the offense and the coach has to go, Good performances, great performances could just get overshadowed. So I just want to say, like, I watched Derrick Brown last night. Of course, you know, Matt Rule drafted him uh, when he was there at Carolina. He was, the, he was the most dominant player on the field last night. He had nine solo tackles from the defensive tackle position. I saw him toss Tevin Jenkins, toss yeah. Darnell Wright, physically just tossing him. Like, physically, he was fantastic. And then Dante Jackson, the right corner, like he shut down uh, on any go route to Darnell Mooney or DJ Moore. Like he would, he locked him up. And then he also made a lot of tackles at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it, it, it's a shame if you don't throw some love to Dante Jackson, to Derek Brown. They're just on a, in a bad situation, but very good players. Yeah. Now we saw that because look, there, there were some opportunities for the bears to, to really make some big plays and really kind of the game could have gotten really out of hand. But those two guys alone kept Carolina in it. I mean, let's be real. I mean, I, I, and I thought actually Chicago's offense executed pretty well. I just think the Carolina defense kind of answered it. Yeah. No, I mean, look, look, Chicago, look, they get their third win. The kid Tyson Bajan, he's two and two as a starter. He beat Carolina on a Thursday. He beat the Raiders. Uh, he played competitive against the Saints the week before. Like, you know, the kids got something there. There's there's something to work with there. Yeah. I don't know frontline starter, you know, down the road, but you want him on your roster. Yeah, he knows where to go with the ball. He's got good he, the athletic ability he has. He's got tremendous first step quickness to get away from an oncoming defensive lineman a blitz. Like he can separate from a lot of players in his league with his with his movement and his quickness. Yeah, the other thing too is I. I I kind of liked where the the Bears are headed in this sense. I I, I mean, Foreman, I love Foreman. I, I liked him at Texas. I, I just think he's a good back. Like, he he, you, he hits the hole. He, like, he's really a good fundamental runner. Well, it's interesting. Like, he, this is his fourth or fifth team. He played with Carolina. Yep. You know, he played with Houston. 
All right? But everywhere he goes, this is exactly – he's going to give you 4.3 yards of carry. Yes. Like yes, almost yes. – like almost – like that's what he averaged, I think, last night. But that's who he is. Yeah. He's, he, he's not going to hit home runs on you, but he's going he's gonna to go forward. He's going to move the, the sticks. He's going to carry guys with them. He's just a solid, solid back. Yeah, he is. And, look, they, you know, they got some weapons between DJ Moore. You mentioned Mooney. I'm a big Cole Komet fan at tight end. You know, he'll catch everything near him. Yeah. No, look, I mean, the defensively, though, like I remember, I think it was week three because they played Kansas City. And it was the worst-looking zone defense I've ever seen. <laughs> like everybody was open on every single play. And Kelsey just annihilated them. And, you know, I was just going like, this This isn't the way Matt Eberflus coaches defense. I know that. And then you had the, the problem with Allen Williams, the defensive coordinator. But even before that, Eberflus took over the defense. And he's calling the defense. And he's a good defensive coach. And really, they have improved every week to the point where Carolina never found the end zone. They have improved every week as a defense. And you could see Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Kyle Gordon, like they're, you know, you, you, you saw Ngakwe last night. You know, you saw some of the guys up front, um, you know, including Montez Sweat. Like, they're starting to put it together defensively. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about Sweat and, you know, kind of what you think, what he brings to them and to that, and to that front. Well, he's young. He's young and he's big and he's fast. And so he's not the best pass rusher, but he gives you great effort. And I think there's an upside to him. Um, you know, they got to figure out the contract and all that kind of stuff. But you're not going to find many 6'6", 270-pound defensive ends that can run like he can. And so it's a building block. I don't think, you know, we're, we're looking at Richard Dent in Chicago right here with Montez. But I think you start putting enough pieces around him, um, I think you can. It's interesting, though, when I watch their linebackers, cuz. Because this is something that teams wrestle with. I know in Philadelphia, Howie isn't the biggest guy about paying linebackers. And it's, it varies. Baltimore, go give me Roquan Smith. But last night, they started TJ Edwards and Sanborn. They're both free agents. They're both out of Wisconsin. And all they do is make tackles every week. There's no Tremaine Edmonds last night. And you go, just go to Wisconsin and find guys that know how to play linebacker. They cross-train them all. All they do – are they going to go get you three interceptions and three forced fumbles in a year? Probably not. But they're going to make the tackles that are there to be made. And I thought both of them, two weeks in a row now, play really well together. They make a ton of tackles. Yet they they just overpaid for the position when they added Tremaine Edmonds and they paid for T.J. Edwards. When you can, you can find these guys that are good players and you can pay your defensive backs and your defensive line and kind of get around the linebacker position. All right. It's a football Friday. That means we look ahead to Sunday and the slate of games beginning in Germany, the second Frankfurt game. And so it begins the last of the European series, the second Frankfurt game. It's New England and the Colts. And, Bully, let's talk about the Patriots for a second, and let's talk about where they're headed. Mac Jones, we talk about quarterbacks and, and not feeling confident. Mac Jones is another guy that just does not play, does not instill uh, a lot of confidence. He doesn't look like he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. Well, his receivers aren't helping him, cuz. Like, last week they played Washington. As you saw the week before against the Eagles, they play a ton of man coverage. And it, it kind of you kind of like, I'm not sure why they do it because a lot of those guys can get beat. But last week, they're playing this man coverage against the Patriots. And it's just, there was an old saying, like, if your receivers can't beat me man coverage, you need to get new receivers. So I'm watching Tyquan Thornton. I'm watching another one of those Baylor receivers that can run fast, but not a great route runner and couldn't separate last week. I'm watching Jalen Rager is out there. I'm watching Mike Gesicki. None of these guys are beating anybody, cuz. And so, Mac Jones, it's third and three, and he's throwing slants to Jalen Rager. I mean, first of all, we know his size. We know how um, – we, we know he's not just 
routing anybody up in his business. Like there's not a lot there to work with right now. And so, you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster isn't separating from anybody. Your quarterback's got to have some kind of an idea that you're going to win the route, you know, before you throw. You can't just have everything defended by the way that they were draped all over these receivers. Now, I'm not absolving Mac Jones. He missed a couple of shots in the game that could have made a difference last week, and he missed them. So, but, you know, the intermediate routes on third down, you're trying to sustain drives. I mean, their receivers need a lot of help. So what is it about Belichick? I mean, we know Bill is brilliant, you know, obviously. The one thing that he's always never really seemed to embrace, other than Randy Moss, right? Like, the, the big playmaker. I, what, like, what goes – try to – tell me, explain to me his mindset when you're looking going into the season. You know you got a young quarterback. You know you need weapons that surround him. It's it's almost like he's 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 stubborn about what's on the outside. I honestly feel like when Bill assembles his team, the last position he looks at is wide receiver. Yeah, like some guys are just like that, you know. And so they're reluctant. And you know, when they have drafted in the first round, they haven't been productive. Um, you know, Gronk is the best player they ever drafted you know, from a receiving standpoint in that organization. Um, you know, they got Gronk and Hernandez in the same draft, but they, I, I feel like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, our offensive line, we're going to address that. We're going to address defensive front, especially defensive linemen. We'll draft Christian Gonzalez and we'll plug him. Although, you know, they, they found a lot of free agents and JC Jackson, a lot of guys at the corner position that were undrafted. We're going to invest in our safeties and our linebackers, but we're not going to spend first round picks and wide receivers. And it's it sort of, it looks like that's the philosophy without anybody just writing it out. This is our philosophy. All right. On the flip side, what are you watching from Indianapolis on Sunday morning? Well, you know what Gardner Minshew is, you know, Gardner Minshew is a good backup quarterback. He knows where to go with the ball. I always say you come out of Mike Leach's system, and you're going to get five receivers out every play. And it's up to you, pre-snap, this is where the ball's going. We got this matchup against the safety. We got this against the third corner. Like, when he gets to just point and shoot, he, he's almost he's almost unstoppable. Now, if you take that first read away, or he's got an obstructive view, or there's a free hitter coming at him, and he's got to adjust, then, you know, th- then you can start to defend him a little bit better. But he's very good at first read. He can go through progressions. But I feel like the the longer you go, the longer the progression you go with them, the more incompletions you're going to get. Now that being said, um, I like what Shane Steichen has done. Uh, I think they've got a good one-two punch in Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. Um, Jonathan Taylor looks like he's on the verge. I was about to bring that off. He looks good, Baldy. He looks like yeah, he's no. back to himself. A couple weeks. Yeah, it took, it took him a couple weeks, but you know he's a home run hitter. And you get him onto the moving sidewalk, like he'll finish the play, you know. And so I think they're getting close with him. And Zach Moss has already hit home runs. Um, so, and I think defensively, Indianapolis is so underrated. Like this kid, Zaire Franklin out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Like yeah. he played every snap last year. He leads the team in tackles this year. Uh, I know defensively they're not rated very high, but. I'm waiting right now for Shaq Leonard to start to look like Shaq Leonard, where he's sacking quarterbacks, forcing fumbles, intercepting. Like, I think he's due for some big plays because he looks like he's coming back from that, the neck injury, the surgeries, and all that stuff. And he looks better to me right now. So let's go to uh, the one o'clock games. And one of the games I'm really looking forward to because we've been talking a ton about CJ Stroud. And we've been talking a ton about how the Bengals are back. And so now we get a great quarterback matchup. And uh, I, I'm loving, like, that's one of the games that I'm really looking forward to watching, to see Stroud, to see how the, the Bengals are, are back with Burrow. And uh, so I, that's one I got a, a circle that I'm looking forward to. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. You know, can C.J. Stroud back up what he did last week? I think Cincinnati's defense is a lot better than what he saw last week. Um, 
I think they're led by a, a very, very deep defensive line. I think the two linebackers, um, all they do, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, is take the ball away in a variety of ways. They play every snap. They never come off the field. I like Cincinnati's defense. I, I think they'll be much better at defending uh, C.J. Stroud than what we saw last week. Um, and they're used to playing tight games. Yeah. And so Joe Burrow, look, I don't think T. Higgins is going to be in this game. Uh, we'll see just what Jamar looks like after missing practice time. But it doesn't matter if he's throwing Trent and Irwin. Like, he's going to put the ball, Tyler Boyd. Like, whoever is available, he's going to complete passes to those people. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you could see that they're they're feeling more like themselves. Like, yeah, like, I mean, they, they play flawless. Now, it's going to be interesting to see coming off such an emotional win Sunday night against Buffalo, you know, kind of how they respond. Yeah, but, you know, this team has been in back-to-back AFC championship games. They've been to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think that kind of – like, this team is very well led. I like Zach Taylor a great deal. He's got I a great locker room. Yeah. Lou Anarumo is a talented defensive coordinator. As far as you just making adjustments, like the guy can fix whatever's ailing that team. Um, you know, defensively, they haven't given up 20 points in the last three games in any game. And that's, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo. Like those are three pretty good teams winning records. They haven't given up 20 points to any of those teams. So I like the way they're playing defensively. And, you know, they could take the ball away as well. Like, they've got 11 interceptions. They lead the league in turnovers. You know, they've got 18 takeaways. You give extra bats to Joe Burrow, that's a bad formula for the opposition. All right, next game, Green Bay-Pittsburgh. I, I got to tell you, I've been disappointed. And maybe my expectations were a little uh, industrious. But I thought Jordan Love – would show me a little bit more by this point. Yeah, well, he's got a very young cast around him, cuz. He's got rookie receivers, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave. He's got second-year players, Romeo. Oh, I like Musgrave, by the way. Yeah, okay, but he's still a rookie. And oh, he's got Dobbs. Um, you're not very good up front. They're, they're average up front. Aaron Jones has been in and out of the lineup. He's a yeah. difference maker. Christian Watson's been in and out of the lineup. He's their deep ball threat. Yep. You know, so the, the cast around him has changed a great deal. Yep. And I just don't think defensively they play anywhere near their talent. And so, I mean, I know they're right top 10 right now, which is still good. Jordan Love has some success early in the season. I thought he was on his way, and he's just completely flatlined right now. Yeah, that, and that's what I mean. I mean, I, I, I like, I like – like his movement, I, I mean, there's a lot to like early in the season. I, I'm just kind of trying to figure out. And look, <laughs> now he's got to go look and stare at T.J. Watt and that Steeler defense. It's I, I tell you a funny story, cause I was in Green Bay. Uh, it was either two, I think it was three years ago, and you know, the Steelers Nation travels all over the place, right? So it's it's heavy, heavy Steelers in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I actually parked a pretty long ways away for two reasons. One, to be able to get out of the, the, the soup after a game and get to the airport. And then number two, it's just two great tailgating groups it's on your way to the stadium. Yeah. So I just wanted to experience it, you know? So I got there early and all the, the tents, the tailgates, and you know, Green Bay fans welcome everybody. So it's there's no malice. Like everybody, they're very benevolent, you know? so. I'm, so this was the funny part. So, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's on his way out. Like, it, it's it's over, but, you know, he's, he's, he's hanging in there. The Steeler fans are saying to the Packer fans, we're going to steal your quarterback and win another championship. Yeah. We're going to take Aaron Rodgers from you, and we'll win a championship with Aaron. You guys can keep, like, screwing it up with him, but we'll figure it out. Give us Aaron, we'll win another. And it was hilarious, man. Like, they were, like, teasing those Packer fans. You don't know how good you got it. We got an aging quarterback. Like, isn't anywhere near, you know, MVP status. It was pretty funny to listen to. Yeah, I I, lo- I actually love that place. Uh, Lambeau is – for those people who are football fans who, who love, you know, stuff that we do and, and love this sport, that place 
is Mecca. It just is. Yeah. I mean, you know, to your point with the, the brats in the parking lot, it doesn't matter how cold. I remember covering Niners, Packers, NFC Championship game, uh, mid-90s. And yeah. it, it just felt like football. Like, it's just, it's, it smells it. It's yeah. cold. No, it's, look, it's, it's, it's any, anybody that has to go there for any reason, you welcome it. Like, yeah. you just do. I, I mean, I've been up there. I remember me and Sterling Sharp went up there for a, uh, a, a, like, a, a, like a summer night training camp, live practice inside Lambeau. It might as well been the NFC Championship game. Like, the they were overflowing, like, to celebrate Packer football on a Friday night in August. I honestly, and, you know, they're Sterling, one of the great Packers. Like, it was, it was just, it was just a, I mean, that was, that, that blew me away that day. But I've never been there. Like, for the, like, this, this, this week, like, I think it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you look at this game and you go, okay, Green Bay and Pittsburgh, and what we might, you know, see this week, uh, I just think it's it, it's kind of fascinating because whenever uh, these two teams meet, you know, you, you just got all these Lombardi trophies that are you know, it's just one of those blue blood groups going at it. And yeah, I think Pittsburgh Pittsburgh has a chance to get to six and three. Yeah, stay right on the. We'll see what happens. We'll get to Baltimore and, and Cleveland this weekend, but you know, they're they're trying to stay in pace right now with what Baltimore's doing and everybody else in that division. Like, you got to keep winning against non-conference opponents if you're going to stay in this race and, and win the race. Well, it's funny. You, you were talking about the fans and all, and obviously this one at Heinz Field. Uh, those people, that's another place where, you know, Western PA is, is just this, right? It's football, man. It's Western PA. It's Steelers. I loved... Even when it was Three Rivers, right? I, I love going there because, you know, you just felt it. Like, there, it's well, one of those places where it just is everything. It matters. Well, it's, um, you know, I was born in Pittsburgh, so it's my hometown. And, like, that's, that, that's all I knew growing up was what football meant. And so the terrible towels are out there. Yeah. They represent every one of those surrounding communities where football is king. And every one of those, you know, from Aliquippa to North Allegheny yeah. to Central Catholic, we all know the players that have come out of just those schools in those towns, Beaver Falls. Like, you already know the players that are from those towns. Um, I think, what do we have? This, you know, this past uh, fall when Darrell Reeves went in the Hall of Fame out of Aliquippa, you know, I mean, all the guys from Ditka to Dorset, all the guys that have come through there that are in the Hall of Fame. Um, you you represent all those players when you step on that field at now Acroshore Stadium. All right, so Tennessee and Tampa is the next game. Now, the big story here is Will Levis it gets the nod, man. It's going to be the Will Levis show, which I'm happy about. I, 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 want, to, I want to see this kid. Well, I think it's the right move. I think Ryan Tannehill has given him everything he's got. And... They've had some good seasons, some playoff wins, but Will Levis showed us all in his first game that he is NFL material. And now, now, like, let's turn it over and look what he did to Buffalo. Uh, you know what he's done right now is it's, it's kind of remarkable. Now, you know that that first game that he played, uh, you know, against uh, his first game was. I guess, uh, let me think, his first game cause was, oh, Atlanta. And he threw the four touchdown passes against Atlanta. Um, you know, they've been lacking the deep ball, you know, and, and, and Nuke, DeAndre Hopkins, like he's on the receiving end. Now, Joey Porter did a good job against DeAndre Hopkins on Thursday night last week, and so they didn't get those shots. But I want to see him. I want to see that arm. We saw Tampa just get scorched last week, you know, by Josh Dobbs. And some of those throws that he made, or I guess C.J. Stroud, I guess, was was the guy throwing last week. So, I mean, that secondary is very suspect right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on because there's two 
monster games, other monster games early. You're going to be at one, and that, of course, is Cleveland and Baltimore. And you just got done seeing it. That's AFC North. That's that's going to be a great game. We're, let's look at Cleveland first. And uh, where do you think Deshaun is right now when it comes to his – is he back? You know, injuries. We know about the struggles from last year and coming back. What about where is he at on the on uh, regards to his play? Uh, I saw him uh, three weeks ago against Indianapolis when he got his head bounced off the carpet in the first quarter, but he had thrown two interceptions in the first quarter and he looked awful. <clears throat> um, he's, but his his shoulder, regardless of how much pain he's feeling, it, the arm wasn't there. I mean, he just could not throw the ball the way he wanted to throw the ball, and that led to interceptions. Mr. Week came back last week, threw the ball better, hit Amari on a great go route last week um, against Arizona, and it he, he looked good, but he wasn't very consistent with it. Like, I think he's got a long way to go in the passing game, and I think Cleveland's got a long way to go. Outside of Amari Cooper, I don't see anybody else really stepping up right now. Elijah Moore, um, Njoku, like they've got players, but I don't see the ball being spread around a great deal. Amari leads that team in receptions by a wide margin right now. The passing game has to pick up. There's, they're going to play this game without their two starting tackles. Jedrick Wills is out, and I hear Dewan Jones, the right rookie right, right tackle, is out. They're going to go backup tackles against a team that leads the league in sacks. Deshaun Watson could be under a lot of duress trying to make these deep shots because like, it doesn't – you know, the defense – Better get some takeaways in this game, I believe, because I think it's going to be a, a long, hard day for him right now. Yeah, I do too. I, I mean, I, I look at this and I go, yeesh. Uh, you look at this Baltimore team, the way they're playing, because you know that they're going to stop the run, right? And I, I look at this team, like Deshaun Watson is going to have to make plays and make plays with his feet too. Like he's going to have to make some big plays just to keep them in it because this game could turn. Well, I did this breakdown, actually airing it. This We're taping this on Friday afternoon. But we're doing this piece tonight on Total Access. And it's really a compare and contrast of the two defenses. Okay, Cleveland's ranked number three in defense. Ravens are one. And they're one and two in a lot of other categories up and down the spectrum. But they're, they're very different in their approach. Jim Schwartz has got them playing a ton of man coverage. One of the reasons why they beat the 49ers was they did not fear Brandon Ayuk and the receivers. They manned them up. They did it last week or two weeks ago against Seattle. They manned up, you know, DK Metcalf and some guys, kept them out of the end zone. So, but Baltimore, I, if I'm the quarterback, I think the worst defense in the league right now to play against is the Baltimore Ravens. And this is why, cuz they play this matchup zone. And so, they literally give you a look pre-snap and it changes the minute, the, the moment the ball snapped. So if you're the quarterback like Geno Smith last week, you don't know what they're in until the ball snapped. And now you've got to drop back three, five steps. You've got to decipher it, okay, while the number one team with sacks right now with 35 is coming after you. And so you're holding it because you're like, okay, like where do I throw it? It's one of the reasons why Geno Stone, who started off this year as a backup safety, leads the league with six interceptions because these quarterbacks are constantly fooled. And it's not bad quarterbacks. I mean, Geno Smith has been good. Jared Goff has been good. And those guys are taking the ball away from him. And so then you add the component of Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and their speed to cover the flats, the quick game, like all the things that you would use to kind of counter what they're doing down the field with their zones. And I was talking to Rod Woodson, the you know, the Hall of Fame Rod Woodson last week because before the game, we had a good 45-minute chalk talk. And he was just telling me. That's the bold like, wall what it, for, for everybody. Well, I mean, nobody knows football like Rod Woodson. But he was just saying, why wouldn't you play zone in this league? Why wouldn't you just sit there in two deep zones and just cover all the underneath zones all the eyes are on the quarterback. Everybody sees the ball delivered. 
you know, and, and, and mix it up with some matchups and some blitzes and whatnot. But, you know, the ball's not going over your head, right? And then you're restricting where they can go with the ball. And all these man beaters that we see, these crossers, these bunch formations, like you're not, it's, it's not going to be affected by your zone. Yep. And when he, when he tells me that I'm going, it makes a ton of sense. Just yeah. makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. And I, I'm with you. I, I fear that that game could turn ugly. Uh, the other one, which is another great game and important, uh, another uh, interconference game too, because, you know, we talk about the AFC versus the NFC and how strong the AFC is. The Niners have to win. They yes. go playing a dangerous Jacksonville team, a team that's clicking, a team, you know, with a lot of weapons all over the field. This is going to be a great matchup because that Niner defense is going to be under a lot of pressure again because of all those weapons between Lawrence, Etienne, right? You're going to go out to Kirk. You got Ridley. That's, a, that's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game. There's These two teams have two streaks going for it. Jacksonville has won five in a row. San Francisco's lost three in a row. Somebody's going to extend the streak or break the streak. I do think it makes a difference this week because that both teams are coming off a bye. So both teams will be as healthy as they've been in a long time or maybe since the start of the season. So I do think it's Debo Samuel and Trent Williams make a big difference in San Francisco's offense. Uh, Trent Williams, because he's just a dominant player, especially in the run game, I don't care if you're running toss sweep to the right. It's going to end up behind Trent Williams. It's just like every run ends up behind him. He's just that dominant in the run game. And then your quarterback, Brock Purdy, is just almost always protected um, with Trent protecting your blind side. So that, that's that. And then the, the thing about Debo is, you know, obviously he's a great player. He's paid to be a great player. He's dynamic in that he can line up a tailback at receiver, put him in motion, he can do a lot of things. But I just think he gives that team just the added component of toughness. He runs through tackles. He, he embraces contact. Like, no matter what he's doing, like, he gives that team a jolt. And when he's not in the lineup, they don't look as physical. They don't look as tough. And I'm not taking anything away from McCaffrey or Ayuk or Kittle. But he is the guy that sets the toughness tone for that team. So I think that's going to make a difference. The other thing is, look, they made this trade for Chase Young at the trade deadline. And Chase is not a great player, but he's a talented player. And they've been starting Cleveland Farrell at right, you know, opposite of Nick Bosa. He, he's just not a dynamic player. He doesn't. So I, I believe, I don't see any scenario where Chase Young wouldn't start. And you put him out there, and the best game he's ever played was as a rookie against the 49ers when he was the defensive rookie of the year. That was the best game I've ever seen him play. He's already recognized that life is a lot different in San Francisco than it was in Washington. Just the expectations, the treatment, the culture, it's just different. I think it's going to get the best out of him. And they've got a great defense line coach in Kaserik. Like, I expect Chase Young – to play maybe his best football as a 49er. And I think it's going to wake up this defensive line who's really they, – they have not affected games the way they have in the past. Yeah, and you know, it's, this could be a fun one. Now, I'll ask you this, Ken, because I think both teams are going to be able to score. Can, Bert, can Brock Purdy win a game where it's a shootout? Yes, yes. He's, he, like, look, he's – the interceptions are real. He's, he's thrown them. Um, but I think he also makes a ton of plays, too. He does. Um, the, one yeah. thing, the one thing I know this, like some quarterbacks, and you know who they are, and you know a lot of names in history, some guys play the game like they're afraid to make a mistake, cause, and they don't attack. And they play it safe, and in big games, they come up small because that's how they play. Like, I don't think – whatever this three-game losing streak and some of the interceptions he's made, I don't think it's going to stop him from being aggressive and attacking. I think that's his M.O. I think that's who he is, and I think the 49ers will benefit because of it. And, I, look, we haven't even talked about Jacksonville, but I love Doug Peterson's offense. I love it. It just makes a ton of sense. Um, 
Trevor is processing information really fast. He is this a supreme leader, and he's got every single guy in that offense understands what their role is, and it's just it's just a very smart offense. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. I I because we're going to learn a lot about especially the Niners because the Niners need to win this game. It, it's going to be this going to be fun one. This going to be one of those games you got you got to watch. All right, let's go to the late ones. The Lions and the Chargers. And interesting about Joey Bosa. Where has he been, Baldy? Well, he showed up on Monday night. Like, he destroyed the right tackle for the Jets. He played really well. Right. Um, He's battled injuries. He's he's missed time. But he got got his numbers back last week pretty good. No, I mean, and I meant, like, what what was the difference Monday night? Was it just the fact that – the Jets are banged up on the line. Like, what, what, like what, yeah. where's he been up until that point? Well, I didn't see him beat Makai Becton when he was lined up over the left tackle yeah. of the Jets. I saw him beat, um, you know, the right tackle pretty regularly. So, you know, but look, they've got three guys. they got four guys, cuz. Like, you know, they, they have 31 sacks. I mean, they're amongst the top five teams in this league. Um, and they have – so, they have four guys – that can really rush the passer in, in Mac and Bosa Tui Pelotu, the rookie who's been outstanding. And then uh, Morgan Fox, like they've got four guys that can get home. And if they, if they start dialing it up and getting after people on a regular basis and affecting games and quarterbacks, I mean, they could, you know, they could put together a pretty good streak. They've got two in a row. They've got Detroit at home right here. I don't think it's much of a home field advantage. I don't think lion fans travel that well. I might be wrong. But they're in SoFi Stadium. Um, usually it's a den for visitors to come and take it over. I don't know if that's going to be the case. But this, this, is a, this is a Detroit team coming off a bye week that I think is just, you know, chomping at the bit to get back and play a game and, get, you know, and, and keep their distance in the AFC North right now, or NFC North. Yeah, I think they're going to try to attack that secondary. I'm smelling a big game from uh, St. Brown. Well, Monroe St. Brown is back in Los Angeles. It's where he plays football, grew up. Um, I'm, it's probably like a homecoming for him. Yep. So, you know, I think all that is or in Detroit uh, against the Chargers. I, I got that backed up. But, um, no, I, look, he's their number one receiver. They call a ton of plays for him. They move him around. Um, you know, the Chargers better they, – they better be um, – they better be airtight in their communication against Amon Ross St. Brown, the way they move him. Well, last time we saw the Lions, they got back to what they wanted to do, which is run the football. And we saw Jameer Gibbs have that incredible, incredible night. So he got the incredible night in large part because David Montgomery was hurt and he got a chance to really carry it. I know Dan Campbell loves – David Montgomery. So I don't know if he's going to get the same type of carries, but the commitment to the run, regardless of who's in there and how they split the carries up, the commitment to the run is real in Detroit. And that's what they want to be. They want to win the line of scrimmage. They want Panay Sewell and that group, Jonah Jackson, that group up front. They want to lean on you and push you around and take over the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's another one. I'm interested to watch because, the Lions are that team that I'm. I always have kind of one eye on. They're they're a, they're a fun team. They're just I'm like I'm I'm looking at you know their progress and I because look as we go down to it you know second half of the season where we know the Eagles are a top they're on a buy this week they're a top the NFC and it's like who else is there you got Detroit we talked about San Francisco. And then the next team is Seattle coming off that disaster in Baltimore, right? They have Washington, and it's important for Seattle and Geno to feel good about themselves. No doubt. No question about it. And Seattle and San Francisco play in San Francisco in like three or four weeks. I I know I'm going out there for the game. Um, That might go a long ways to determining the NFC West right now in some playoff seedings. 
as we get into December here, you know, pretty soon. So the Sunday night game, <laughs> Baldy, do we have to watch the Jets again? And the Raiders. Now, look, I know the Raiders, Antonio Pierce, it's a great story. We talked about how how much fun they had. But we get to watch, we have to watch those two again on Sunday night football, Baldy. I love it. And I'll be watching, but man, I need to watch Zach Wilson again. How many, because you, you watch and study quarterbacks as much as anybody. Like how many games do you have to watch of Zach Wilson I can't before you it. go, come on now. Like there's got to be a better option. Because what happened last week was against the Chargers is that's a wasted defensive performance. Like not many teams are going to affect Justin Herbert the way they affected Justin Herbert in that game. They did everything but take the ball away in that game. They could do the same thing to Aiden O'Connell this week. Like, they're just that talented up front, including Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley. That's a talented front. And you just wonder if the Jets go out and play offense the way they did on Monday night against the Chargers, at what point does the defense just throw up their hands? I know it's a team game. You're paid to play. But at some point, you just go, what am I I'm wasting my I'm wasting my career here. Like, honestly, like, I'm, am I just wasting my career waiting for th- this offense to, like, score a touchdown? They scored eight touchdowns in eight games, cuz. You know, like, it's they're scoring a touchdown a game or nine touchdowns in nine games, whatever it is. Like, it's not enough. And so, and this has been going on for two years with this kid. I got to tell you, I, 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 you played on that team where you lost all your quarterbacks, that Eagles team with that great defense. You know, and that's the thing I was thinking about, which you bring up, which is the breaking point. Yes. Like, at what point, you just, with it's natural. Like, you're right, you get paid to play and everything else, but there's a breaking point when one side of the football is just so much better than the other, and the other one consistently lets you down. At what point is a breaking point? Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, <clears throat> In 1993, we lost all our quarterbacks. We lost Randall, Bobby Brister in Philadelphia. But we had an elite defense. And, you know, like Seth Joyner would sit there and he would just, like, literally cuss the offense out. Like, he was, like, I mean, he just picked on everybody. I don't blame him. Like, there was, like, so many wasted efforts where they're putting quarterbacks in body bags and we can't score, you know? And it was just... There was a breaking point there, and it did begin to fall apart, you know, and um, that it, it, it's just a reality that you can't be so one-sided on one side of the ball in this business. No, no. All right, the, to wrap this up, I want the three things that Baldy wants to see on Sunday. I'll tell you right off the bat, number one for me is I need to see the Niners really execute I, I i to me the niners are the number one team that i need to see something from i think it it's a tough matchup it's on the road and i think the niners is has my number one expectations how about you i'll start with my game all right um six weeks ago cleveland played baltimore in baltimore thumping now dorian thompson robinson the rookie from UCLA started for Cleveland. They beat them 28 to three. Like these games in the AFC North are gonna separate these teams. Can Cleveland stay in the race and upset Baltimore at home? Or does Baltimore just pull away and Cleveland just begin to drop? Like, I think this game is gonna, it's either Cleveland's gonna be in this race to the end or they're gonna get separated and knocked down um, after this game in Baltimore. I think. This game's going to go because then four days later on Thursday night, Cincinnati comes to Baltimore. And we're going to learn a lot about the AFC North in the next four days. All right. My number two is going to be Josh Dobbs uh, going up against the Saints. And look, can Minnesota stay in that, you know, NFC North race? And I, I love what Brian Flores has done with that defense. And Dobbs was terrific in the miracle Let's see what he can do against New Orleans at home. 
He's got a, a full week of practice. I'm curious to see what Dobbs can do and if the Vikings can make some noise there and actually challenge Detroit at some point. Good one. Um, I'm interested to see Houston and C.J. Stroud after that legendary performance last yeah. week. Yep. What they do when they head into the jungle this weekend. Does Cincinnati, are they just not just better, but is the whole building or what Zach Taylor has been building for four years, are they just so far advanced of where Houston is? We know Houston's going the right direction, but they've had a number of years of drafts, free agency, star quarterback, star receiver. Like they've picked at the top of the draft. They've got their stars. Like can Houston stay with them behind this golden right arm of C.J. Stroud? I love it. I'm with you there too. Because you know how we feel about C.J. Stroud. My third one will be the Steelers' offense. I want to see what the Steelers' offense is going to do against Green Bay. They look like they ran the football better with Najee, all right, and Warren. I, I want to see, can they do that against a, a good, you know, Packer? I know you said they've been a, a little disappointing, but they can still stop the run. I'm curious yeah. to see if that Pittsburgh offense and can pick it kind of use that offense and, and get the get the ball out to his playmakers. I'm really interested to see the Steeler offense, and that'll tell me how real Pittsburgh is. Well, you talk about how real Pittsburgh is. How real is Buffalo? Like, are we are are, are they in decline right now? Because they, they host Denver, who's on this win streak right now. Clearly, their defense has been fixed and and playing at a higher level. Um, the, the offense is not turning the ball over. They've, they're running the ball much better. They look like a Sean Payton coach team right now. You know, you beat Mahomes, you break through, you win again last. Like, I want to see, can Denver take that show on the road in Buffalo? And can Buffalo right the ship against a team that's playing better? And how should we think about Buffalo? Should we think about them as, as an AFC contender or just because they're so Jekyll and Hyde? And so I, I'm fascinated by both teams because I think if Denver finds a way to beat Buffalo, like inside that, on that way right home to Denver, like there's not a guy in that locker room that's not going to think we can make the playoffs. We, we can get in as a wild card. Like that's how they, they're going to think if they can go into Buffalo and win this game. That's a great one. Well, we'll be back Monday to preview that game and to go all over all the happenings on Sunday for Baldy. I'm Cuz, and listen, Sunday. Enjoy it, all right? Week 10, enjoy it. It's the best. Have a great weekend. We all silly like the mayor. 